Golight presents Opinions Matter with Adrian Kennedy. And you're very welcome to this special edition of Opinions Matter, brought to you by Greenheart CBD. From Greenheart to your heart, we would ask you to visit our sponsor's website at greenheartcbd.ie. You contacted us um, the other day to tell a story. Take me back, if you will, to the start of the story that you want to tell. Okay. Um, I was abused by a family member for 23 years. Um, it started in 1996. I would have been three years old. That's when my first memory is. Now, it could have been earlier than that, but that's when my first memory is. Um, and it went on until 2019 um, when I was 26. Um, I kind of put a stop to it myself then, um, kept it a secret to protect my family. And then this year, everything took a turn. Um, my abuser admitted everything to my family. Um, everyone was felt sorry for me and was obviously condoling me and blah, blah, blah. And then my abuser committed suicide um, and everything took another drastic turn when that happened then. Um, all my family, well, not all my family, but a lot of my family um, blamed me and said that if I had forgiven him and so on and so forth, that he wouldn't have done what he'd done. And Take me back to the, the, the start of this story. And this was uh, a relative, a very close relative, okay, who began abusing yeah. you from from what age? Three years old when I remember it starting. So I was very young. Um, and he was also quite young. He would have been 15 and then would have been in his late 30s then when it stopped. So I was a toddler, a baby, and he was a teenager, or old enough to know what he was doing. Um, and then obviously it went on for 23 years, so he definitely knew what he was doing. Um, and it was a very manipulative relationship. It wasn't just the physical abuse. Um, his whole life revolved around it. But it also wasn't just me. Um, there was other people who were abused as children, and there was other people who were abused as adults um, throughout his whole life, who he admitted to. Um, so there was a lot to it. Um, and now since he's passed, everyone has just swept it under the rug. Well, the everyone has in the people who, who have turned, and they've just swept it under the rug. Everything is just shush. He's dead now. Respect is death. It wasn't what it was, even though he admitted it. Um, and it's it's my fault. It's easier to blame me than admit that what he was, he was what he was. That he was a, a pedophile and a rapist. You obviously you kept the abuse to yourself for years. So you're talking about from a very young age. Uh, you were growing up, and obviously as you were growing up, you were realizing more and more and more that this just isn't right. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. Now the physical abuse was stopped when I was maybe eleven or twelve, but. Um, he was around me every day. Um, there was a lot of emotional abuse. Um, and then a couple of things happened when I was a bit older. Um, when I was in my 20s, a couple of things happened. And then that's when everything came back to me from when I was a child. Um, and that was when I, like, knowingly kept it in and knowingly protected my family and said, look, I'm going to just not speak to you ever again. Um, a couple of my close family knew, my, my brothers knew, my mum knew, um, one or two of my close friends knew at this point. And I had just decided to protect my nana and granda and to protect my cousins and my aunties and that kind of thing. I'm just going to not ever speak to you again. Um, I know what you've done to me. I remember what you've done to me. And I'm never going to speak to you again. And then, obviously, he decided to, to tell everybody what, what had happened and what he'd done. He decided 
to tell the family what he had done. Yeah, he done that um, in April of this year. Um, now that was after about a year of him. Now, obviously, I wasn't in his life, so I didn't know what what he was going on. But presumably, he was he was sick, we'll say, for a year. Um, but I had told him about a year and a half ago that I remembered everything and I knew what had happened. So I think, and a lot of professionals who I spoke to think that the reason he was showing guilt, we'll say, in his head, um, was because he knew that I remembered everything. And it was an, an escape route for him to play the victim in, in the last year um, and act like he was sorry and this and that. But you can tell from what he'd done um, and the different levels of abuse that there was no sorry and no guilt in his life. Um, he was still abusing people that wasn't me up, in, up until a year or two ago. Um, he, I know of women he's raped in the last year or two. And he was obviously abusing me for my whole life. So there was no empathy in that man. He, he, was, he wasn't human in my opinion. I think a lot of people would agree with that. So tell me the reaction then of uh, family when he admitted what he had done to you. Um, his motivation, I'm not quite sure about why he, as you said, maybe just to, to yeah. play the victim. But what was the reaction of uh, family <laughs> towards him and towards you? Um, the family were obviously heartbroken and devastated um, for me. Um it took a little while for some of my family to contact me because they were so upset and guilty and didn't know what to say. And then obviously I met up with a lot of people. I went home back to Dublin and I met my family and we all talked about it and everyone was heartbroken. And they were they were trying to get me justice by either getting him committed somewhere or getting him locked up. So I started to pass charges against them. And everyone was working with me to get the justice I deserved. Um, he was staying with another family relative so that we knew where he was all the time so we couldn't run or do anything like that. And then I pressed charges on a Tuesday and went to my detective in um, one of the guard stations in Dublin and I made my statement and pressed charges. And he was willing to go and hand himself in. He was working with us, you could say, for me to get my justice. And um, on the Tuesday evening, after spending the whole day in the guard station making my statement, um, I went back to my mum's house and then he committed suicide two days later. Wow. Um, and that's when things took a turn for the worse, basically, because up until yeah. this point, you had full support in um, reporting it, in making a statement to Gardi. Everybody was yeah. behind you at that point. And indeed, yeah. he was dealing with it as well. Yeah, you could say <laughs> I'm making it look like he would anyway. As soon as I go to the guards and I say to him, there's my detective's name, there you go, do what you need to do. You can now hand yourself in and give me my justice. You've been saying for the last X amount of weeks you'll give to me. And this is the whole reason you've done what you're doing now and destroyed our family so that you can get me my justice to go and do it. And he put a rope around his neck and committed suicide. How did you feel about that, that um, you essentially didn't get any justice? No. Um, I, initially, when I found out what had happened to him, I'm not going to lie, I was over the moon. It cut my handcuffs. Um, I felt free. I felt great. Um, I felt amazing. That that was where he got to. Uh, this might sound terrible, but I did. That was that, like I, I suffered for my whole life because of this man. So it felt good. But then as the days went by and as the weeks went by, 
I realised I didn't get my justice. It was a, a coward's way out from... He, he basically came in to my family's life, like this massive tornado and, and destroyed everyone's life, telling them all of this stuff, and then just left. And that was it, and just left us with everything to deal with. Left my family devastated and heartbroken, split in two. People obviously blaming me, um, and just took the coward's way out, I suppose, and and now he doesn't have to deal with any of it. And this is where you wanted to, to speak to us. Initially, you had support of your family in, in taking a case, in prosecuting this man for what he had done to you. But uh, mm-hmm. as soon as he passed away, a lot of people were pointing the finger of blame at you. Yeah. Like, it, I, I would never say it got worse than it was when he was alive, but it, like, it's just because it looks over, it's not over. It, it's so far from over for me right now. And people kind of have the attitude, he's dead and you're okay. I'm, I'm not okay. I, I look okay. I have an okay day to day. I have a lovely flat. I have a great partner. I've got a great life where I live now. But as for in my head, like, I'm, I'm never going to be okay. That many years of abuse and that much emotional abuse and that much manipulation and control, like, I don't know what normal is. You know what I mean? And, it's, I want I want to like raise awareness for people who are in situations like me. I want I want to be the voice for any woman who's ever been abused or hurt and can't speak out because of fear and because of what their family might think. Because I think people don't understand how how much comes with something like this. People would rather push me out of their family than admit that they have a paedophile in their family or an abuser in their family. And it's just, it's very hard when it, when it all comes out. And I thought him admitting that and me getting justice would be the easy route, but it's the whirlwind of stuff that's come with that. It's just so much. And people think it's okay, he's gone now, she's okay. And it's not like that. So not only did you not get justice, the end mm-hmm. result of, of your story is that you've lost a, a lot of close family because of 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 the way they've reacted to his death. Yeah, yeah. He's almost the victim now. But I suppose that's the way he made it. So it would be when it came down to all of this, is that it would be core him, and nobody nobody says anything about me. <laughs> you sound very hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's destroyed me. But um. I'm also I'm also good. I am like I don't like to say I'm. I there has been times where I've been in bad places. I have tried to commit suicide on one particular occasion about a year ago. Um, I've been in bad bad places, and I'm sure I'll go back to bad places like that because it hurted me. But um, I'm learning how to deal with it, and obviously just because there's so much going on at the moment and so much changing, it's hard. But um, it's this is what I mean. There's so much damage that comes with it. And, People think it's okay now and it's never going to be okay for me. Especially like that one, no matter how much he said he'd done, people still aren't listening. And they're trying to sugarcoat it and say like it was just once or it was this or he was sick or he was a child. And it's like, no, I was the child. I was, I was the victim, not him. Stay with me for one second if you can, because I have to take a, a very quick break. Um, and we'll continue the story after the break and, and find out 
what exactly you're trying to achieve talking to me today. So bear with me for one second. Go Loud presents Opinions Matter. Go Loud! Go Loud! Go Loud presents Opinions Matter with Adrian Kennedy. Go and you're very welcome back. And before the break, you were telling us how your family, or at least some of your family, have distanced themselves from you since your abuser took his own life earlier this year. After admitting to family that he had abused you from a young age, and he then subsequently took his life when you uh, went to the Gardaí, in terms of, of, of now, right now, with your uh, family, and I haven't identified you, I haven't identified your your family, but I'd be aware that some of them may well hear this podcast. What do you want to say yeah. to the family members who have kind of shunned you? I'm, I'm not, like, I've, I've kind of spoke to them anyway. Like, I've, I have no um anger towards my family who who chose to take the route they've chosen. I respect how and their memories of of him and I respect the fact that they're going to be sad for, for their loss because they didn't know any better up until a few weeks prior. And I understand that it was a lot to accept because obviously it's so final and at least when he was alive they could kind of maybe say maybe we might be able to get him better and things like that. But I just want them to recognize my side of the story, too. If they want to sugarcoat his story and feel sad for him and do all of that, that's fine. That that doesn't affect my life. But I just wanted them to respect me in the, in the same sense. And if they're able to be sad for him, then they should be able to be, be sad for me. Um, and it's not that I have anything. I'm a very empathetic person. It's not that I have anything against how they're feeling towards him. I understand that they love him. He was their, their brother, their son, their whatever it was. So, but I just want them to see that I hurt too. You know, I just wanted them to understand that I'm not okay now just because he's gone and that it's not about him and understand what happened. In terms of, of you and how you are, have you sought counselling? Is that something that you are going to do? Yeah, yeah. I've got counselling for a lot of years of my life. Um, so, But I am in a specific type of counselling at the moment for this. Um, I've got great... I, I have other great family around me as much as I've had family who've turned their backs on me. I've got some amazing family around me. Um, so I'm lucky in that sense. But um, it's something that... It doesn't, it's not going to fix itself. It's not going to go away. Um, it's something I need to learn how to live with, learn how to deal with and grow from. And that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to do this, because I want to help people. If I help even one person. When you say you want to help people, what do you mean by that? I just want people to feel like they, they have a voice, feel like they can, they can stand up against these people. Um, it is obviously tough, but it's the right thing to do and I want I want to be a voice for people who can. Um, I just want people to know they're not alone in this. That's, that you want to explain to people that it is worth going to the guards, that it is worth speaking about the abuse that you went through? Yeah, I would say it is, because as much as I've lost people in my family, they're not the family that I need standing behind me. If people aren't holding me up in this, they're pulling me down. And if people are going to ignore what he said and what he done, then they're not the family that I need in my in my life. 
and the people who I want and who I trust are still standing behind me after all of this. And they're my real family. And as hard as it is day by day and as each loss comes, it's it's worth it in the bigger picture and in the long run. And if I could go back, I would not change anything because at the end of the day, I'm not wrong and I didn't do anything wrong. I'm the victim in this and I'm now the survivor in this. And I survived 20 plus years of that man's abuse. And I'm going to stand up strong and I'm going to tell my story because none of that will stop me. And I deserve to be able to tell my story of what happened to me. And even though you feel that you were robbed of justice, if you like, by the fact that uh, he took his own life before it could ever get to a full Garda inquiry, um, you still maintain that it was a good thing to do, it was the right thing to do, despite everything that has happened since. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. And maybe maybe someday I might see why, but um, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And this road that I'm taking now, it's all it's all happening for a reason. And I'll, this, like, there's other ways for me to get my justice now. What are those other ways? Um, well, there's like this, there's, there's getting my story out, um, there's, there's growing from it, there's make, changing it and making something positive um, and helping people with it is, is a way of me getting my justice. Um, I, I obviously, with me trying to press charges against him was me protecting um, my family and that. Now that he's gone, I don't have to protect anyone, but that was even just making my statement for me was such a big deal. Um, obviously, it didn't get any further than that because he was gone within 48 hours. But just making my statement alone was was huge to go into the guard station and sit down and give his name and, and say everything I got to say and know that I had made that decision to protect people from him and stand up against them. That was that was huge for me as well. So I'm slowly getting getting my justice and closure from it, I suppose, in, in small different ways. So for somebody who might be listening to us right now who has been in the exact situation that you were, uh, that was suffering abuse at the hands of somebody close to them, or maybe not even somebody close to them, but hasn't come forward with that information, has kept that information like you did to themselves Mm -hmm. for years on end. What would you say to that person? Stand up and fight. When I wasn't being abused anymore, somebody else was. And you can put a stop to things like that. Um, these kind of people don't just do it once. The amount of stuff that we found out, um, and I'm sure there's so much more that we don't know about, um, and these people need to be stopped, and these people need to stop getting protected out of fear. They're protected with fear, and that's the problem, is that people are afraid to stand up and speak, and that's why these kind of people get away with it, because their victims and their family and their friends are afraid to say it. And I think people need to stand up and fight because we're stronger than they'll ever be. Well, I hope even having this conversation, even though we haven't identified you, we haven't identified your abuser, even telling the story in that vague way seems to have helped you. Yeah, yeah. And it does, it helps me. Any anytime I don't I don't talk about it very often, uh, because it's hard, but any time I do, just to get it out because obviously it's like a poison inside me and just to get it out always feels like a weight lifted off my shoulders and that's another thing I can say to people out there who are like 
in my position and like me just to talk about it just to say it and the first time you say it is so scary and so hard and for years I almost didn't believe myself and I wish I was crazy and I wish that it was all just made up and bad dreams and things like that but the more you say it the easier it gets and the more you accept it and the more people around you acknowledge it and the more you see that there are other people like you like the the people I've met throughout telling my story and the other stories I've heard and the people who've been in similar situations, we're not alone in this and it needs to be stopped. But they're protected with fear and that's, that's how they do it. And that's what I mean about years of emotional abuse and mental abuse to make me think in certain ways so that that life was normal for me. Well, I really appreciate you uh, trusting me with your story, trusting uh, us here on Opinions Matter with your story. And I know you want other people to uh, hear your story. So um, anybody who's listening to this podcast can uh, share it and let other people hear your story. It's a, it's very important that other people do hear the story. I really appreciate yeah. you uh, talking to us and, and I wish you nothing but the best um, uh, in in life and finding happiness and security for yourself after all you've been through. Thank you very much. Thank you. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app.